Section 5 of The Crime of the French Café and Other Stories This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. The Crime of the French Café and Other Stories by Nicholas Carter Chapter 5 Patsy's Tip Gaspar's declaration produced a stunning effect upon Hammond. At first he seemed thunderstruck. There was a look in his face which made Nick say to himself, It isn't true. But whether the accusation was true or false, Nick knew at once that Hammond recognized Gaspar. Yet he couldn't be a regular visitor to the place, because Gaspar had said that he had never seen either of the two men before the fatal evening. Therefore, as Hammond had recognized Gaspar, he must be the man who was in room A, because the man in room B had not seen the head waiter, according to Gaspar's story. Hammond, after the first shock of surprise, recovered his nerve wonderfully. He calmly took a chair and sat there in deep thought for nearly five minutes. He paid no attention to questions. Finally he looked up and said, I don't know why I should deny it to you. There is no charge against a man in room A. None whatever, said Nick. He is wanted merely as a witness. It occurred to me that you might have some theory of a conspiracy in which both men were concerned. I never thought of it. Then I am not to be put under arrest? Certainly not, unless some new evidence appears, and I do not expect it. Very well. I was the man in room A. And who was the lady? I decline to mention her name. She has nothing to do with this case. You will easily understand that I do not wish to bring a lady's name into a tragedy of this kind. I can understand that. Now tell me why you feel so sure of this man Jones's innocence. Will you promise to keep me out of this affair as much as you can? Why do you wish it? What are you afraid of? Well said Hammond, looking very much embarrassed. I'm a married man, very respectable sort of a fellow, and the lady with whom I dined was not my wife. It's all right, you know. My wife is not a jealous woman. But the thing would not look well in print. I won't make this public if I can help it, Mr. Hammond. Not that I have much sympathy for you. You shouldn't have been there. But the publicity would annoy your wife and do nobody any good. Thank you, said Hammond, with a grim smile. Now I will tell my story. There is very little to tell. We arrived before the other party. We heard them go into room B. By and by, I went out into the hall to find the waiter, who didn't answer my ring. I saw this man, pointing to Gaspar, at the desk, and should have spoken to him, but just then the waiter hove in sight at the end of the hall. So I went back. Just as I was closing the door of our room, I heard the man come out of room B. I didn't see him, but I know that he went down the front stairs, for I heard his footsteps, and also heard the door shut. The waiter came in and finally went out again. We were just ready to leave the place when we heard the pistol shot in the other room. Then we got out of the house just as fast as we could. It was cowardly, perhaps but I knew that something terrible had happened, 
and I didn't want to be mixed up in it. Of course I wanted to keep the lady out of it, too. And, and, well, you can see that there were many reasons why I should have decided to make tracks. You know that the man was not in room B when the shot was fired, said Nick. I'm sure of it. He might have come back. No, the front door makes a loud noise when it is shut. I should have heard him if he had come in that way. And if he had come the other way, this man would have seen him. You didn't see him at all, did you? No. So you can't say whether Jones was the man? No, but I'm sure he wasn't the murderer. You think it was suicide? I'm sure of it. How could it have been anything else? The woman was alone. There might have been somebody else in the room. No, our waiter told us that the party consisted of only two. You mean Corbett? I believe that's his name. The fellow who disappeared. How do you account for his disappearance? I don't, but perhaps he was afraid of being mixed up in the affair. He may have a record which won't permit him to go before the police, even as a witness. How could he have got that cab? I've thought a good deal about that. It was mentioned in the papers. I believe he may have slipped out the front way, called the cab, and then gone back to get something. Perhaps he went back for his clothes, but didn't dare to take them. And how about the cabman's story of the man who engaged the cab? The cabman's a liar. That's plain enough. I'm afraid he is. Now, Mr. Hammond, could either Corbett or this man Gaspar have got into room B without your knowing it? Easily. Good heavens, I never thought of that. One of them may be the murderer. Gaspar, at these words, turned as white as a sheet. He was so frightened that his English, which was usually very fluent, deserted him, and he mumbled protestations of innocence in his mother tongue. "'Thank you, Mr. Hammond,' said Nick, without appearing to notice Gaspar's distress. "'I have no more questions to ask, but I would be obliged to you if you would wait here a few minutes for me.' Nick went into another room, where he knew that Patsy was waiting. A set of signals is arranged in Nick's house, by which he always knows when one of his staff gets in. "'Patsy,' said Nick, "'there's a fellow upstairs whom we'll have to shadow.' "'Gaspar?' No, a man who calls himself Hammond. Gaspar has identified him as the man who was in room A. Look here, said Patsy. Am I a farmer, or is the man Gaspar the greatest living identifier? What do you mean? Why, it strikes me that he picked out his men a good deal too easy. If it's all straight, I'd like the loan of his luck for a few days. That identification on the elevated station looked to me like a fake. I don't believe he ever intended that you should get hold of the man. In my opinion, he's simply running around identifying everybody he sees. But this man Hammond admits it. Is he telling the truth? No, said Nick, with a peculiar smile. I don't believe he is. Well, then, Gaspar's a liar, and if he's lied here, he may have done the same thing in Jones's case. Nick looked shrewdly at his youthful assistant. He is very fond of this bright boy, 
and gives him every chance to develop his theories in those cases in which he is employed. "'Come, my lad,' said the famous detective, "'tell me what has set you against Gaspar.' "'He's going to skip.' "'Is that so? Well, this is serious.' "'It's a fact. I got it from one of the men in the restaurant. My man was told of it by Corbett.' Corbett? Yes, and there's another suspicious circumstance. There's a French woman who is going to give little old New York the shake at the same time as Gaspar. They're going back to sunny France together. Now, nobody knows this but the man I talked with. Gaspar thinks that Corbett was the only one who knew it. So it was for Gaspar's interest, in case he really did this job, and lifted some valuable plunder off that woman to get Corbett out of the way. Did he pay Corbett to skip first? And is he now identifying Tom, Dick, and Harry for the purpose of bothering us, and keeping us busy till he can light out? It's worth looking into, said Nick. At any rate, you stick to Gaspar. I'll put somebody else on to Hammond. End of section 5 Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona